0: Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News talk 96.5 KPEL 232 1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or go to the KPEL app. If you don't have the KPEL app, just a reminder go get it. Go download that app right now. And uh, when you download it, You'll, you'll need to sign in in order to use the app chat feature. But once you do, you just hit the little text message icon in the upper right corner, select the Joe Cunningham show, and you will be able to chat with me on the air. I try to respond to those on the air and off the air, try to have those conversations with y'all as we go through the show. Now, I am going to kind of break an unspoken rule here. There is there's this general feeling that goes around certain media circles that we shouldn't be focusing so much on the fentanyl crisis. It's a major, major story. But the problem is that so many people have been impacted in some way. A lot of Americans at this point Know somebody, are related to somebody, or through you know the five five degrees or whatever, you know somebody or somebody's family who's been impacted by fentanyl, and the fentanyl crisis only goes worse, only gets worse. And a lot of folks who who run major media companies they they don't want to avoid it because they think it depresses the audience too much and the audience tunes out. I don't think you guys are going to tune out. That's why I'm comfortable opening the show, in the 5 o'clock hour with it. We do have to talk about the fentanyl crisis. We're still seeing drug arrests in and around Acadiana. Fentanyl is included. We see it around the state. And we're seeing it around the country. And I don't, want to make it political yet, at least. there, There is something political to it. There is some partisanship to it. Well, not even partisanship. It's been a failure. I've mentioned this before. It's been a failure of multiple administrations from George W. Bush on up. But we need to talk about how serious the situation is right now. We're about to enter what's being described as the fourth wave. The fourth wave of the overdose crisis. This is from NPR. This was, yeah, this morning. The mixture of stimulants like cocaine and meth with highly potent synthetic uh, opioids is a fast-growing driver of fatal overdoses in the U.S., Since 2010, overdoses involving both stimulants and fentanyl have increased 50-fold and now account for 32% of U.S. overdoses in 2021 and nearly 35,000 deaths, according to a study published Thursday in the scientific journal Addiction. We're now seeing that the use of fentanyl together with stimulants is rapidly becoming the dominant force in the U.S. overdose crisis, says Joseph Friedman, the lead author of the study and a researcher at UCLA's David Geffen School of Medicine. Fentanyl has ushered in a polysubstance overdose crisis, meaning that people are mixing fentanyl with other drugs, like stimulants, but also countless other synthetic substances. The study authors call the rise in polysubstance overdoses a fourth wave in the opioid crisis. The first was characterized by the rise in prescription opioids starting in the early 2000s. The second, by heroin's rise starting around 2010, And the third, the fentanyl crisis, circa 2013. We're in the fourth wave of the fentanyl crisis, or the opioid crisis. Started Started with prescription opioids, then heroin use was on the rise, then fentanyl, and now fentanyl mixed with stimulants. This is a very big deal. A lot of things are coming together right now. And making, it's making Americans more depressed, feel more hopeless, and turn to things to try to help them get through this. Try to help them get through the pain and the suffering right now. I've mentioned a few times there's a spiritual void in society and we're trying to fill it with other things. When ISIS first rose to prominence and and we started hearing about ISIS more and more, there was a string of stories about Americans who were leaving the U.S. to go to the Middle East and join ISIS because it promised them something. It promised them a greater cause, something greater to believe in. Deep down, psychologically, emotionally, we yearn for something like that. And when you strip spirituality out of it, we try to fill that void with something else. And sometimes we're successful and it doesn't harm anything, but sometimes it can lead to bad decisions like going to join ISIS or trying to use drugs to fill that void. And right now, we're seeing in a big way, The fentanyl crisis is just the latest in people filling the void that they're feeling with something else, with something that is potentially very harmful. The economy's not great. Inflation went up again. I told you guys the inflation numbers yesterday went back up to 3.7%. I have a story at kpl965.com today about the rise in auto insurance. We already know that car prices are still way way up, but auto insurance is going up. Food is still up. Gasoline and energy is still up. We're facing an economic crisis and people don't feel very hopeful. We live in a society that is very politically divisive. If you don't believe one thing, you get shunned by people you grew up knowing and being friends with, but you differ from them in some way or another, and they throw you out. Fathers fighting sons, mothers fighting daughters, that sort of thing. Friends turning from each other because of differences in beliefs and ideologies. We live in a very divisive time. We live in tough economic times. We live in a a time when spirituality of any sort is kind of being pushed out of the mainstream. And so there is this psychological, this emotional, this spiritual void that people are trying to fill with some substance or other. And right now the big thing is fentanyl. And this is where it kind of becomes political because... This has been a multi-administration failure. Again, four waves, the early 2000s, the prescription opioid crisis. We finally effectively addressed that during the Trump years, but that was three presidential administrations too late. A rise of heroin in 2010 because we were still facing tough economic times. We were still off the back of the recession. People were only barely starting to recover. And by that point, a lot of folks were hooked on something or other. Starting in 2013, switched from fent- switched from heroin to fentanyl. It's easier to create, easier to mass produce. It's fully synthetic. Easier for people to sneak in and get. Now, The big problem at the time was that all of the chemicals to make fentanyl were coming from China. And so by the time we finally started addressing that during the Trump years, Trump was focused on China. The Trump administration was focused on China and the fentanyl chemicals coming in. Well, China started directing those chemicals not just to the United States, but also to Mexico. And the cartels were buying those chemicals and then bringing the made fentanyl and the chemicals across the border to produce. And we've always been two steps behind on these crises. We've had a political failure here. Administrations have not, ha- have not addressed the issue. They're always a step behind. Right now, America is in multiple crises. The fentanyl crisis is just one of them economic crisis, political crisis, drug crisis, crime crisis, immigration crisis. And they all sort of weave together a little bit. And that's what makes this a a precarious situation. All of this starts to weave together. It all becomes a major political problem because we know the problems are there, but the forces that say they're out to protect us and say they're out to do right by the American people, they don't seem to be fixing the problem. The fentanyl crisis does have a lot to do with the immigration crisis. We need to understand that. And the Democrats kind of refuse to understand that. They refuse to try to understand that because the Democrats still believe in this idea that we need to have unfettered immigration, that we owe it to the rest of the world to let people come in. And secretly, yes, it does raise their numbers. They say, except legal immigrants are now just as likely, if not more likely, to be furious about the illegal immigrant situation than citizens who were born here. The immigration crisis and the fentanyl crisis are tied together. Well, the fentanyl comes in, we have a lot, a lot of folks in the criminal underworld who are selling these drugs, and so the crime problem becomes part of it. And we're refusing to address the smaller crime problems like the petty theft, like the breaking and entering, like the riots. And so the bigger crimes, people start escalating. They start doing more and more because they know the cops aren't going to stop them. So they start selling the harder drugs. So they start doing a lot more violent things. Because they feel empowered to do so. So all these things start weaving together and it leaves us in this moment of crisis. We really, really need good leadership. And we're not getting it with the current guy, clearly. They, t- they still take a big whiff and think everything smells like roses. And it doesn't. It's actually pretty crappy. 232 1542 is the number, or send a message through the KPIL app chat. We'll take this break. We'll be back shortly here on The Joe Cunningham Show. News talk. 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk. 96.5 KPL 232. 1542 is the number, or you can send a chat through the app chat, like Jonathan, who uh, points out the prescription opioids are, are harder to get, which is true, but that's because uh, during the Trump years, we finally really started cracking down on it. But at that point, a lot of people had been hooked, and so when we finally start taking that away, that's what leads to some of these other Waves of the uh, opioid crisis, and it's a it's a very big problem. The other issue here, and it's a pretty big issue as well, as Scott points out, is that there's not really of a, a a lot of the illegal immigrants who come here. Not all of them are planning to stay. It's it's a lot like during the Industrial Revolution in the U.S. in the West, you had a lot of Chinese immigrants, and they were coming to the U.S. They were coming to work to make a lot of money, go back home, buy some land, get married, and settle down. It's kind of a similar situation here. A lot of folks coming through the southern border to America, they want to make money, send it back home to their families, and they'd go back as well. The problem is the means of getting here for a lot of them is through coyotes, and the coyotes have no interest. And what happens to them once they get here, they're just trying to get people across the border because they make money off of it. They also make a ton of money off the cartels on it because those folks also smuggle in a lot of the drugs the cartels are trying to flood American streets with. It's a multifaceted problem. It's a problem, like I said, all of these issues that we're facing right now weave together. And you, you can't say it's all the fault of the Biden administration, for example. Just like you couldn't say the opioid crisis was all the fault of Donald Trump. And you couldn't say that these other crises were all the fault. It's, it's, a, it's a, a failure of the American system as a whole. The Trump administration came in and did a lot of work in fighting the prescription opioid crisis. But because of the failure of the American system to address it sooner. What you ended up with was a lot of Americans who were hooked on something, it got taken away, got harder to get, so they turned to other things. And fentanyl, the synthesized stuff, the stuff that was cheaper to make, cheaper to mass produce, that became the drug of choice. And now people are mixing the fentanyl with stimulants. They're mixing it with other drugs. They're mixing it with meth. They're mixing it with Coke. Some people are also mixing it with their pot, not a stimulant. In fact, it does the opposite, but it makes it that much more addictive. And so you keep going back for more and more and more. Fentanyl is just the way you get them hooked and keep them coming back, but it is extremely dangerous. And the American government still has not done a whole lot to really properly address it. In fact, the Biden administration has been afraid to deal with it in any meaningful way. Let's go ahead and take this break. We'll be back after the Commodities Report here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Your calls, your messages, and more of your news of the day coming up right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or... You can send a message through the KPL app chat, like Scott and Jonathan did in the last half hour. I want to move on. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm going. I'm not going to get into the Hunter Biden news today. Um, I, I'll. Well, I may get into that toward the end of the show. This is another story. Uh, it's another cultural story, but I feel it's super important. And also, it 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 hurts. It pains me. To say this. So, as I've mentioned a billion times before, and we'll probably mention a billion times uh, in the future, used to teach. Spent just shy of a decade in schools. And the school I was at, and most schools do this, uh, principals and, and other folks in the district will walk through and they will give uh, feedback. They will give you a criticism, They'll constructive criticism. They'll tell you what you did right, what you did wrong, but it's always some form of feedback. Uh, you have observations in school where the principal will come in, sit in for an entire lesson, observe you, give you uh, tell you what you scored on your, on your uh, observation, and give you feedback based on that so you can make adjustments in your teaching. It's how you improve um, here at Town Square Lafayette. Get feedback all the time. For the digital content we write, for the product that we're putting on the air, we get feedback. I get feedback from y'all. That's one of the reasons the app chat exists, is for y'all to give feedback. If you don't like something I said or you disagree with something I said, you call in, you send something through the app, you give me that feedback. But feedback is there to let us know how we're doing, how we're doing our jobs. It's a very vital part of the work process. Because if you're screwing up, you need to know that you're screwing up. And you need to be told you're screwing up. Maybe you should be told in a nice way. But you still need to be told that you're screwing up and you need to make some changes. So there's this story from the Wall Street Journal today. Employers around the country have good news for workers who dread chats about their performance. Feedback is on the way out. Many companies, executive coaches, and HR professionals are looking to erase the anxiety-inducing word from the corporate lexicon. And some are urging it be replaced by what they see as a gentler, more constructive word, feed forward. I don't like the way that word sounds. It doesn't feel right. My brain actively rejects the term feed forward. I I don't approve. But apparently in the corporate workspace, that's what's happening now is we're not giving are corporations are not giving feedback to workers are giving they're giving feed forward again. I stumbled trying to say it. Feedback too often leaves workers feeling defeated, weighed down by past actions instead of considering the next steps ahead. But feed forward encourages improvement and development, its proponents say. The old assumptions of feedback and all the word conjures up I think puts a chill on performance says Joe Hirsch a corporate speaker and author of a book on how to fix feedback feed forward is about this forward looking view of people performance and potential The canceling of feedback has its share of skeptics it comes as younger generations who prefer a more positive nurturing environment are accounting for a larger share of the workforce and companies are increasingly focused or companies increasingly focus on performance and efficiency following a pause on reviews during the pandemic. Great. Another thing the pandemic broke. Y'all. Words still mean things, don't they? Look at the word feedback. I am going to take what you did. I'm going to feed it back to you so you understand what I liked and what I didn't like. In that context, feed forward doesn't make sense. Words still mean, words still have to mean things. And I realize I realize that, y'all, it's a running joke at Red State. I'm one of the youngest guys there. At 35 years old, I'm one of the youngest guys at Red State. Millennial conservatives just aren't, they, they don't take up a lot of space in the conservative punditry world. They just don't. But I feel like the old man shouting at kids to get off my lawn on this type of thing. I hate revising the meanings of words to make younger kids feel happy. Look, if you screw up, you need to know you screwed up. If you spent all of your time doing something the wrong way and somebody asks you, why in the hell are you spending all that time doing it the wrong way? You don't need to break into tears. You just need to say, "Okay, tell me how to fix it. And yes, you can get some constructive feedback and you can fix the problem. Scott, yes, I know you're listening. the ter- The term "suck," the term "you suck," is no good either. We can't say "you suck" to workers, um, or at least to 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 Gen Z. <laughs> yes, as somebody in the corporate workspace, I want to be able to tell workers, "you suck." Then again, I know some of y'all. If I start talking about certain politicians, you're going to call me and tell me I suck. And that's fine, because I can handle it. But anyway, words still mean things. Companies are also banishing another negatively charged term, review, which they are replacing with connect sessions and coaching self-reflection and opportunity discussions. Again, to use your language, Scott. If you suck, it doesn't matter what I call it. We can call it a self-review session. We can call it self-reflection. We can call it opportunity enhancement. You still suck. You still have to enhance what you're doing. Making kids cry in the corporate workplace shouldn't be a thing that stops us from saying what we mean. And this is part of the overall kind of cultural problem, since I'm talking a lot about culture this week. It's not an inherently political thing. But it is a very much cultural thing. I grew up right as they started giving participation trophies. And the thing is, most of us knew they were participation trophies. Those of you who have not seen me in real life, I am not what you call peak athletic condition. There's no reason I should have gotten a trophy in Little League. There was not any reason. I'm not that great an athlete, to be honest, and it's not just because I'm not... An athletic specimen. It's just, I don't, I don't have the level of aggression physically that's needed for those sports. I hated playing football. Was, you know, told to play it for a couple of years. Finally, walked off. Got in trouble for just quitting in the middle of the season and walking off. But I was miserable. Some older folks out there probably saying you're just afraid of hard work. Probably so. I was in high school. But, the thing is. Thing is, when we got those participation trophies, we knew it was BS. We did. Everybody gets a trophy here, you get one. It takes away how special it is. Most kids know that. Most kids understand that. But at some point between me being a kid getting those first participation trophies and where we are now, people really have it in their minds that, yeah, you're supposed to be recognized just for showing up and doing what you're doing. And that's not always the case. You don't get a pat on the back each and every time you do something. I did a thing. Yay. No, you don't always get that because you didn't necessarily do the right thing or do a good job at it. If you're just phoning it in, if you're showing up for the bare minimum and just phoning it in, there's no reason that you should get feed forward, constructive feedback, opportunity enhancement self-reflection session. You don't get that. You get told you're screwing up and you need to fix it because you need to know how serious it is. And you tell them they screwed up. And I need a mental health day. Oh my gosh, I need a mental health day. I just need to take back, I need to sit back, wrap myself in a Snuggie Drink a pumpkin spice latte. and I just need a day to myself to, to overcome this dangerous, this, this, this mean feedback. No! You show up to work the next day and you do the job they told you to do. I get the feeling half the White House, if not more, is being run by people who believe in participation trophies and just showing up. They don't understand that everything that the Biden administration has broken is actually their fault and they need to do a better job. They're just like, we're just showing up and doing what we're told. Yeah, we're doing what we believe is right. No. Y'all broke it and you need to fix it. Unbelievable that we actually have a story where we want to get rid of feedback and review. And we want to offer feed forward. We want to offer connect sessions. We want coaching and self-reflection and opportunity discussions. At Microsoft, managers are encouraged to use the word perspectives. My God. When did we get so broken that we couldn't take a little bit of criticism? It's really, really messed up. (laughs) Chris on the app. Let's feed forward to two weeks. It will be your last day. Brilliant, Chris. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. This is where we are as a society. We are no longer offering feedback. We're offering feed forward We're going to connect. We're going to have this self-reflection. We're going to have an opportunity discussion. Yeah, an opportunity to realize you suck and you screwed up. Let's take a break. I'm getting too worked up over words. You guys call in 232-1542 or send a message to the KPL app chat. We will be back in just a minute here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232 1542 is the number. If you want to be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPL app chat, you can also follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham. One of my followers on there listening to the show, uh, refer to him as PPC. Uh, Apparently we are now a country that has to self-medicate to deal with the stress of doing the bare minimum. That's a great way of putting it, which is really, really on point. We we really are. We we've become extremely soft. <sighs> Kenny, listening on the app, you don't get participation trophies in the real world at your employment, and you should not. Recognition should have some meaning to it. Absolutely. That's what we want. That's what I want to see. Recognition. If we're going to be praising you for something, it's not for doing the bare minimum. It's because you did a damn good job. But I digress. All right. So I didn't talk about it much today. I'll probably mention it. We'll talk more about it as more information comes up. The Hunter Biden stuff. Uh, Hunter Biden's been indicted. He's facing charges on, uh, he's facing gun charges for uh, purchasing a gun while, uh, while using cocaine. A copy of the indictment uh, includes three counts. Counts one and two allege that Biden knowingly made a false written statement and certified the same when he indicated he was not an unlawful user of or addicted to any stimulant, narcotic drug or controlled substance in the process of obtaining the gun in question. Uh, Count three alleges that Biden knowingly possessed the gun, knowing that he was an unlawful user and addicted to a stimulant, narcotic drug, etc., and so those are the charges that the special counsel, David Weiss, is going with. Now, this is partially the fault of the Biden legal team. Uh, the deal that they originally had fell apart. A judge said no. Uh, they acted like they were still part of the deal. They said they still wanted the deal because the deal actually prevented further prosecution on any future charges. The judge said absolutely not. And the Biden the, the Biden legal team... Uh, By pushing for that and and maintaining that's what they wanted, they actually ended up kind of shooting themselves in the foot, no pun intended. But there's a larger problem here. There was a whisper at some point. It may not actually be a thing, but I would think it's really hilarious if it did happen. What if Hunter Biden makes a Second Amendment argument here? What if Hunter Biden and his expensive lawyers try to argue that his Second Amendment rights are being violated by punishing him and and by saying that, you know, they're making it a crime for him to purchase a gun? That the Second Amendment guarantees us a right to a gun, no matter if we're connected to cocaine or whatever. A buddy of mine, a guy I've known for years, he sent me a text earlier. He said, if you can't lie to the ATF, what is conservatism even about? (laughs) What is the Second Amendment even about if you can't lie to a government agency to obtain a gun? Snorting coke, firing muskets, sometimes sleeping with people you shouldn't. That's what the founding fathers intended, right? That's the argument that Hunter Biden it ends up making I I I almost like want him to I want to see the Democrats freak out I want to see the Biden administration freak out when Hunter Biden tries to make the case that it's a violation of his Second Amendment rights to not have been able to purchase legally purchase a gun just because he was on cocaine. Can you imagine the freak out from the left on that one? So the interesting thing about this is is that this case. Will be heating up right as Joe Biden's really gearing up for his reelection. So this is going on alongside that, and there's already all this polling that shows a lot of people are just assuming that Joe Biden was in some way involved with his hunt with his son's business, and people are starting to distrust what Biden says on the subject. They start they think that he was involved in some way, and to have this go to trial. While Biden's trying to run for reelection? That's not a great look. All right, you guys have a great one. I'll be back in 23 hours. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at JoeP Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, or email Joe at redstate.com. You can also check out the podcast version of the show. If you miss any part of today's show or any previous show, just go to Joe or go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So uh, please rate and review the podcast because more ratings, more reviews means it gets more eyes. You guys have a great one. I'll talk to you again soon here on The Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPEL.